The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. February 6, 2024, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a wonderful start to the week. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope you all got to do what you need to do this weekend, whether it's watch UFC Vegas 85 or hang out with friends and family, whatever floated your boat. Hopefully, it floated with happiness and positivity. But we're back here on the program. And much like last week, where kind of started off with a little bit of a whimper, kind of feel like that's how this week is starting off as well. Like, I know it's Super Bowl week and everybody's excited for that. We got a lot of weirdness going on with WWE stuff, but this is an MMA show. We had UFC Vegas 85, but. Very little came from that event, in my opinion. It's already Tuesday, and I feel like we're done talking about it in a lot of respects. So, But we could talk about whatever the hell you guys want to talk about today. Not a ton going on in the news. I know Colby Covington did an interview with Submission Radio, talked about his broken foot. We kind of already knew that. MMA Hour was pretty stacked yesterday. Dustin Poirier... Entered that interview and delivered exactly what I expected him to do. If you listen to Heck of a Morning on Friday, pretty much told you how that was going to go. Dustin wasn't going to sit there and dump on the UFC or get into particulars, but I think we all know the score there. There's no doubt about that. Ilya Taporia just continues to talk a whole bunch of noise. 
And I think that probably was the biggest takeaway of the MMA hour yesterday was, man, Ilya Taporia needs to win next Saturday. Talk about a guy with all the pressure in the world on him right now because he is talking a whole bunch of trash. And it's one of those situations where if he goes out there and just obliterates Alexander Volkanovsky, strap the rockets to him, he will become one of the biggest stars in the company. There's no doubt about it. They will go to Spain. He's already got very popular people who follow him and support him that transcend MMA, that are much bigger stars than anybody in MMA right now. So that could be real interesting. But if he loses to Volkanovsky, yeesh, it's going to be a tough, tough stretch for him. Not saying he can never get back to a title shot or anything like that because he's still young and he's super, super good. But with all that noise he's talking, if he goes out and, as Volkanovsky said at the press conference in Australia last week, if he goes out there and gets humbled up by Volkanovsky, that is not going to be a good look for him. So the stakes of that fight have been raised tremendously. And as Volkanovsky said during that press conference, it's mostly all thanks to Ilya Taporia hyping things up. So I I was already super excited for that fight. I am so much more excited for that fight after listening to that interview with Ariel yesterday. And just a lot going on right now as we're on the road to UFC 298. We do have one last stop at the world's most famous Apex this Saturday for UFC Vegas 86. More middleweights in the main event. This time it'll be Jack Hermanson versus the surging Joe Pfeiffer. And we'll see how that one goes. This card, very similar to last week's card where the top like three or four fights are really good. Rest of the card, not so much. But there you go. All right, let's see what you all have to say today. Let's get into this, and we'll begin with Four Corner Sports. Go ahead, Four Corner Sports. Maybe not. Not connecting Four Corner Sports. Bounce out, bounce back in. Maybe that will work. How about Abzualia? What's up, Mike? Heck of a morning. Hope you're having a great day. I just have uh, a few questions to ask. Firstly, with Ilya Tapuria, uh, I feel the same way as you. Looking very excited to that fight. And I just want to add on with your convo regarding uh, what would happen if he wins. I, I would definitely be convinced if he manages to get a round one KO and finish Volk in very spectacular fashion and do so very convincingly, not only will I think it will build him to being a star, but it will definitely get him that outside notoriety that he needs and I'm really curious to see how his uh, title reign looks like because you know I know he says he doesn't want to fight Yaya or Ortega or Max but I think it would, those would be really fun matchups and same with um, Movza that's a really fun matchup because both of them are quite similar wrestler grappling uh, style fighters you know hopefully we get something like that down the line another question I have is uh, what do you reckon will be next for Nasadine? you know I think that fight was very weird but he did do quite well showed that he's improved quite a lot in the last year or so. Do you think it would make sense for him to fight someone like Jared Kennedy next since he's kind of in the limbo as we discussed last week? That's all I have. Have a great day. Uh, he's not getting the Cannonier fight. There's no way. That performance did not warrant him fighting a like top three to five guy. It just it was fine. He he went out there and won and I thought he won every single round. 
but it's not, it was just not a good fight. Like there was some weirdness and that made it a little bit more exciting, but it just wasn't a great fight. It was a lackluster main event to say the least outside of the shenanigans and the conversation about judging and scoring and refereeing and the Chris Curtis factor. What's next? Two options. One, they will just run back the Chris Curtis fight. I could see the UFC just seeing that moment where Chris Curtis is doing the fishing reel middle finger. Imovov coming back, even though Imovov's like, no, I don't want to fight him. I was winning that fight. He has no say in this matter whatsoever. So I could definitely see the UFC trying to go that route. That could headline an Apex card. They will build it up as such. The other option, if Joe Pfeiffer beats Jack Hermanson, they go ahead and do that. That's fine. That's fine. That's a good little test for him. So it's either Pfeiffer or, or Curtis in my eyes. I don't think he's getting candid there. Don't see that one happening. And with the Taporia thing, again, he will become a he'll be on the precipice of becoming a massive star if he goes out there and just runs Volkanovsky out of the building next Saturday. But I think the, if he wins. And I know he's like, oh, well, I'm not giving Volkovsky a rematch. Unfortunately, he's not going to have much of a say in the matter. Uh, the UFC will try to book that fight, see if Volk can get back. I know a lot. I know I'm not a, a huge immediate rematch guy, but there are certain cases where I think an immediate rematch is warranted. This would be one of them. Volk, I don't think he's the greatest featherweight of all time. He's definitely in the conversation. He's top. He's probably number two, maybe number three. But he's had such a great run as champion. And I know he hasn't beaten everybody and all that stuff, but there's certain guys where it's undeniable that you have to give them an immediate rematch. And Volk would be that guy. But if this is something where the UFC wants to just throw Taporia in there with, if they end up going to Spain sometime this year and Volk's not ready, they could go a different direction. But if Loya would be the guy. For me, I think that went over Arnold Allen as weird as it was. Dude's real good. Dude's real good. Him and Taporia would be ridiculous. That's that's a sick fight. But he's got to beat Volk first before any of this stuff can happen. I know he's calling for Connor. I don't think Connor really has a lot of interest in fighting him right now. It wouldn't even make a lot of sense because I don't think Connor's getting to 55 or wherever to even meet Taporia at any sort of a. Uh, of a weight class. And then he talks about Yair and Ortega and them, but I don't think either of them are in line for a title shot, even depending on what happens in Mexico city. I think of is, is rightfully next against either of these two guys. If Volkanovsky wins, he's fighting of next. And if Taporia wins, maybe they run it back with Volk, but if he's not ready, you do Taporia. I mean, you do if and then Volk can get the winner when he's ready and on and on we go. Uh, we have you now, Four Corner Sports. Go ahead. All right. So um, I wanted to talk about Hanato um, Moicano. Now, I thought that, you know, the way that Drew Dober fights and, and the way that I felt that uh, Moicano's uh, stand-up game is, I felt like uh, Dober wasn't going to have the, you know, the possibility of, you know, knocking him out. And I was wrong. And lo- I loved the, the post-fight, you know, interview, just like everybody else did. But um, how far do you think Moicano's, you know, ceiling can, you know, exceed? Just because I feel like Moicano, I feel like he's in like that Kevin Holland 
um, you know, range where like doesn't need a belt. You know, you could just be put them. Uh, you could put them on for fun fights. Um, second thing is uh, Natty Ice. You know, really loved the performance. I felt like uh, Viviana Arujo was a good test for her. I did like the Lauren Murphy um, suggestion that you you put out there for Otno. I just feel like uh, Chukagian, I feel like is, you know, a better match just because she's like that gatekeeper for like top three or top five or whatever, you know, setting you up, you know, for, you know, next for like the belt. And I feel like that could be a really good test for uh, Natty Ice. I just think that her movement is, you know, I feel like she is moving, you know, three times faster than all um, than uh, the other uh, fighters that they have against her just because her footwork is impeccable. And then lastly, I don't know if uh, it's been mentioned earlier, but um, I noticed that um, Saporia, you put down that he's 15-0 and 0 and that he's a world champion. I feel like I love, you know, that, you know, what's it called, um, confidence that he's bringing out there. And I feel like he's really selling this fight. But, man, if he doesn't get this win against Volkanovski, the, the downfall is going to be twice as bad and any reaction if he would have just, um, you know, what's it called, uh, you know, just lost, right? But I feel like he has to win by knockout at this point. There's no, he can't win by a, a decision. He can't just win, you know, how he fought against Josh Emmett. I feel like he has to put out, um, what's it called, Volkanovski out, like the way that Josh Emmett ended up holding up Bryce Mitchell. Like, it has to be in that type of fashion just because he's been talking his shit, and I respect it. I respect it a lot, but if you talk your shit, like you have to, have to back it up. And the way that he's been talking, I mean, it's been reckless, but you gotta respect it in, in a way. All right. Um. So, a lot to digest there. Yeah. Boy, look, Boykano is just one of those guys. You just want to see him fight, and more so, you want to see a microphone in his face. So, good on him. Good performance. Fight wasn't as like excitingly crazy as we thought it was going to be, but I thought it was very high level stuff and good win. It'll be interesting to see what's next for him. I shouted out the Patty Pimblet fight. He even said on the MA hour, like he wants to take the long road to Patty, but I think you just do that right now. When they go back to the UK, just book that one. It's a win win for the UFC. Either Moicano gets over on him, it gets a boost from it, or Patty gets a win over a ranked guy and you could do something there. So, I don't hate that idea at all. I think that's a good one. Natty Ice, look, if, if Chukagian loses to Macy Barber, then that fight makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. I don't want to see Chukagian fighting Natty Ice if she goes out and loses to Macy Barber. Like, I understand the gatekeeper perception, but quote-unquote, I don't love the word gatekeeper. It's more I'm more of the litmus, litmus test kind of a guy, but if she goes out and loses to Macy, which I think she, I'm probably going to pick her, pick Macy to win that fight, then I don't really want to see Natty Ice fight somebody who's lost a couple. You know what I mean? Get, I love the Lauren Murphy idea. You could do her and Macy. Like, there's, there's, there's lots of directions you can go, but Chuke game would not be the one I would pick. And with the Taporia thing, I totally disagree with you. Totally disagree with you. Yeah, it's one thing if he goes out and just wrecks Volk and lands a big shot. And the way Volk is kind of playing this up is like, if I'm going to lose a fight, it's because I get caught with something. But if you're telling me that if Ilya Taporia goes out there and just washes Volk for five rounds and just dominates him like he did Josh Emmett, like what you think people are going to be like, nah, man, that wasn't that great. What are you talking about? Like that'd be, 
that would be way more impressive to me than him knocking out Volkanovsky. He goes out there and just dominates him for five rounds. Like, that's nuts. That would be insane. Absolutely ridiculous. So I don't agree with you there. But he just has to win. It doesn't matter how he does it. But Taporia's not a boring guy, and if he wins, it probably won't be in boring fashion. That Josh Emmett fight was crazy. It was a crazy fight. But him winning is probably a must here, that's for sure. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Mikey, go ahead. Listen, what is it with everybody always doing these absolute thing, absolutist things where they're like, oh, if the porter doesn't win, he's going to be ruined. He's 27. I doubt he's going to go on like a six-fight losing streak if he loses to Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, I just... What is it with everybody being like these weird doom and gloomers? It's like everybody has to win now or else. I'm like, would it be? I don't even think it's a bad look for him to lose to Volkanovski. It's like people need to pick their damn narratives. Either Volkanovski's so good that turning away a young contender is proof that's like, yeah, he's, he's really freaking good. Or you guys secretly think he sucks. And you're like, man, Tapor, you, you better beat him. I'm like, at this point, listen, man, Volkanovski had to win me over. And when he finally when he finally beat, I know it's not like the weirdest litmus test, but like when what really came around to me is when I saw him fight Ortega live, and I thought he was going to get submitted and he got out of that. I was like, okay, he's the real deal, you know what I mean? And then the Yair performance, all this stuff. I just I don't know, man. MMA fans are so freaking funny. They either hype up somebody as like this guy's going to be the one that takes out the champ, and then if they lose, they're like, well, they're a bum. I'm like, you, you guys can't be two faced like that. It's hilarious. Like, you can support Taporia. You can think he's great. Plus, it helps Volkanovski's legacy. You don't want these people to suck when they lose to a champ. Why would you want Vol- Why would you want Taporia to go on a downfall if he loses to Volkanovski? Volkanovski should be looking at his record and be like, I hope everybody I beat becomes great outside of me, beating me. You know what I mean? That's for everybody. It's just anime fans, man. <laughs> Anyways, 
Have a good week, guys. I'll talk to you later. Mikey, bringing the thunder, but I don't think you needed to. No one said that. No one said that, oh, Volk loses, or Taporia loses, like, I hope he loses six in a row. No. We're just saying he's talking a lot of shit. And while we respect that, you have to back it up. Look at what happened with Sean O'Malley. Talked a lot of shit before the Cheeto fight. Loses that fight. He got shat on for a long time. But you know what? Deport, like Sean was back then and like Deporia is now, he's young, hung, hungry, and very good at fighting and has star potential. So while a loss to Volkanovski doesn't hinder him forever, it's going to be a tough short-term thing for him to deal with because he's going to get destroyed by fans <laughs> mostly on that depending on the performance. It's just that's just the way that it is. He is he's doing the the thing you don't do in like pro wrestling. You don't sit there and say your opponent is not that good. And he has basically come out and said Volkanovski is not good at fighting. This guy stinks. It's gonna be easy. Like these are things he's saying. And if he doesn't deliver, it makes him look bad. And I get the hyping of the fight. You want to try to generate papers and get that. It's just the pro wrestling model. You gotta be smart about it. Because then if you lose, you lost to a guy that you said sucked. And it's just a bad look. It's just a super bad look. But he can bounce back from it. He will probably win the title at some point. Because Volk ain't going to be around forever. Volk's getting to that age right now. But you, gotta be, you just got to be a little bit better with your words. He'll be back. Like if Volk beats him, he'll be, he'll be back. There aren't a lot of featherweights that I would pick against Taporia right now. He's that good. He's young. He's hungry. He hasn't even gotten to the best of where he's going to be. But at the same time, no one that I've – like most people are agreeing with me. Like, dude, you got to go out there and deliver. If you're talking all this shit, you're building all this up. Like you got to back it up. And we say that about every fighter who talks that shit. We said it about Connor, but Connor delivered. And Taporia could become a massive star if he delivers. But if he doesn't – He's going to have a rough road for a little while. He'll get past it, more than likely, but the short term is going to suck for him. And that's all people are saying. I don't think anyone's asking for the demise of Ilya Tapori if he loses. But he's going to have to eat a, eat a kaka sandwich for a little while. And that's okay. That's the sport. He put himself out there. He just got to deal with the aftermath. There's consequences for the actions. Uh, let's go to Saul... Goodman. Hi, Saul Goodman. Hey, my question is, uh, what do we have, like, uh, on the UFC 300 main event? Like, Dana has been saying, like, he'll announce it now, now, like, every week it's some other thing. So, do you have any leads on that? Uh, I mean, that's the trillion-dollar question right now. I got no leads on that. I got no leads on that. It's to me. It's 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 a two horse race. We're either getting DDP Izzy or we're getting Connor Chandler. Like that's what I think we're gonna get. I know a lot of people are like, oh, we're gonna do Connor versus Nate. No, we're again. That would be of all the things that could be announced by Dana White. Nate Diaz being involved at UFC 300 would be the one I'd be like, holy shit, really? I didn't see that one coming. I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but trust me when I tell you. It doesn't appear that Nate's going to be fighting in the UFC. 
not saying he'll never come back, but he ain't fighting this year. Not for the UFC. He'll do other things. But he's been trying to get out of there for so long. Why would he come right back? Connor's only got two fights left of this deal. So you have to believe that it's part of Nate and his psyche that's like, all right, let's get Connor through these next two fights and then then we'll do this fight and we'll do it on our own and we'll make all the monies. But that's what I think, and, and I have no insight to this, but it seems like DDP is, is something they're trying to do. And if they don't get that, I could see them doing Connor versus Chandler and just bumping that up a little bit. Move DDP as the international fight week, do a little swap. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe we get it this week. Maybe look, the Super Bowl's in Vegas. So Dana's gonna be doing a shitload of media, more than likely. So maybe he announces it with one of these like massive media conglomerates during Super Bowl week. Who the hell knows? But we shall see. Maybe you save it for 298 week. I don't know. Lee, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Uh, just two quick questions. Um, the Volk, you know, they just did the press conference in uh, Australia. Australia. What you? Um, what's your take and your opinion on uh, how Volk's looking, feeling? You know, after coming off of that loss and you know getting back into it. I think he also could have waited like another month. And then uh, second question is, um, if Izzy loses. When he if he fights DDP, what what does that do for his legacy? You know, what was he? I think he's he would have lost like three. You know, you got the one to Alex, uh, or you know, Izzy's just in general Izzy's legacy. You know, coming off those two losses after getting the belt, or not two losses, but you know what I mean. But yeah, just those two questions, Mike. Have uh, have a good rest of your day. Uh, thank you, sir. I'm trying to remember what the first question was. Um. As far as Izzy goes, if they do DDP and he loses, will it hurt his legacy? Sure. Um, you can make a strong case, and even John Anik told me this after 293, losing to Sean Strickland hurts his legacy. And this is not a knock on Sean Strickland, but no one expected Sean Strickland to win that fight. Not only did Sean Strickland win that fight, Sean Strickland put a whooping on Izzy for 25 minutes. So... That one stung. That one definitely stung. You go out, you lose to Pereira. You at least can say, like, eh, maybe the stoppage is a little soon. Then he comes back and just ices Pereira, gets the knockout of the year, and then he rolls into the Strickland fight and just gets dominated. And I think it's fair to say that Izzy wasn't himself in that fight, but it doesn't matter. You got to, whether you're yourself or not, he still lost to Sean Strickland and dominant fashion he goes out and loses to ddp yeah that's three out of four he's lost it's tough it's tough the way i look at it more than anything is just like hey this guy is one of the more active champions of the modern era this guy fights all the time and let's not forget he's out of his athletic prime right now he's about to be 35 years old like father time is undefeated catches up with everybody we're having that same conversation about Volkanovski right now, who is, I think, like a year older than Izzy. So if we're going to have these conversations about the Volks of the world, we I think it's only fair to have the same conversations about the Adesanya's of the world. So, but, it, but unfortunately, like that's how the sport is. It's what have you done for me lately? And what Izzy has done throughout his career, it'll be brought into the conversation. But the way that it, it stands right now, if he loses to DDP, 
that's four losses and what, six or seven fights and then three out of four. It's tough. And then it's just a matter of like, does he still have the hunger to do this? Where does he go? Does he want to fight the Ikram Alaskaroffs and the Brendan Allens of the world? Or does he just want to take a break? For a while, I don't know. So we'll see. That's kind of how I'll view it. But Izzy's been an incredible... I don't know if overachiever is fair. But I think you can make a case for it. Oh, I don't know. I see Charles Johnson in here. And let me just say something that I reiterated uh, that I said on the post-fight show and I said it on to the next one. Because one of the big questions heading into UFC Vegas 85 was, who is going to do the thing? Who's going to be the A-plus, do-the-thing all-star? Number three for me is Molly McCann. Number two, it's probably Charles Radke, but it could be Muddy Moicano. And number one on the do-the-thing all-stars is Charles freaking Johnson. Because the guy goes out, takes an O, fun fight, had a realistic and damn good call-out ready to go against Josh Van. That's how you do the thing, ladies and gentlemen. So the inaugural three stars of the Doing the Thing All-Stars, Charles Energy Johnson. Congratulations, my man. That's how you do the thing. You go out and you deliver a performance, and you make the call out on the mic. Josh Van already like verbally agreed to it on Twitter like seven minutes later. That's how you do the thing. That's how you do the thing. And he did it. Good for you, Charles. Well done. Let's go to four-ounce diaper. What's going on, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Hopefully you can hear me all right. I messed up my phone real bad this weekend. But uh, anyway, yes, congrats to uh, Charles Johnson. You know, fight of the night performance, well-earned, very entertaining fight. Glad to see him in the wig column. But uh, my question for you is uh, Renato Moicano. Um, I look at him. Like, I look at, uh, what's his name? I'm having a brain fart already. Uh, what is his name? Nashville guy, featherweight. Anyway, Bryce Mitchell? I look at, no, no, no. Uh, Nate Landwehr. There we oh, go. Landwehr. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. I look at them the same where I look at it as when you see them fight, you know, you got to see them fight live. You got to put them in front of a live crowd. And then also the post-fight. Post-fight interviews are always entertaining. So, I mean, I was curious to why the UFC put them in the apex. I thought it was a mistake. Then again, looking at how the fight played out, maybe it wasn't the biggest mistake, but hopefully, you know, after this recent card, we get to see him on uh, the Brazil 301 card. And I wanted to know who you match made for him because I haven't checked out Odno. So if you could just let me know who you match made for Hanato. And uh, that's it, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, look, the Apex is just the thing right now. I know Charles talked about the Apex as well. It's not going anywhere, unfortunately. The only way this changes is if the new TV deal comes up and it's like, let's just say like they stick with ESPN and they're like, hey, we want you to keep doing the same things, but we don't need 42 cards anymore. Let's do like 36. And we want you on the road as much as possible. Like if that's what it comes to, then I still don't think it goes away forever, but at least we'll have far less of them, if that makes sense. There's just... There's just an energy level that isn't there 
and it's tough. Like it's it's just tough to watch now. Like even like the best fights possible, it just doesn't feel the same inside the world's most famous apex. It, it just it gets sloggy, and if like the event is slow, and it's like like after the first couple of fights on Saturday, it was like man, like I feel like I was watching a PFL card for a little while. Things picked up a little bit, and you know we mentioned the Charles Johnson fight. Good, good, real good scrap. Picked up the energy levels a little bit, and then we got a little bit weirder in the main card. But still, like it just doesn't feel the same, especially when you do Moicano in there and he's cutting that post-fight interview. Compare the two, Madison Square Garden, where people are like going crazy and Joe Rogan's laughing his ass off, compared to the Apex, where it's just like DC standing there, still kind of snickering, but it's like eight people are responding to it. It's just not the same. Having said that, for Moicano, yeah, if you want to do 301, fine. I like the Darius callout. I would not hate it if they did that. Makes sense. I went with Patty Pimblett. Just wait a, wait a month or two and do Patty in the UK. Win-win situation for the UFC. Patty wins. He beats a ranked dude. I want to see Moicano gets a guy who's big, strong, and can grapple a little bit. And love him or hate him, Patty can definitely grapple. And if Moicano beats him, he gets a butt. He gets a little bit of a push from that. Like I know Patty's not ranked, but this isn't a meritocracy. So I like that idea. If they go Darius, fine with me. I'll watch the crap out of that fight. It's a damn good one. So I don't think there's really a wrong answer for that. But I think those are the two options I would go with. If you're the UFC, uh, Cody, go ahead. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, buddy. Hey, so I've seen some rumors circling around about a possible Seattle show, UFC Seattle in June. Have you heard anything about that? Um, that was my first question. My second question was, you have said in the past that UFC fandom usually only lasts about five or six years. Um, could you explain why you think that is? That's it for me. Uh, very good questions right there. I have not heard anything about Seattle. I've seen the rumors as well. We'll see what happens. I don't, th I don't remember the last time they were even in Seattle. But, yeah, be pretty cool. Good for them. But I've, I've heard nothing about that. Um, so maybe when like we start seeing fights booked for – like more and more fights booked for June. Maybe we'll get an answer on that, but I haven't heard anything when it comes to that. Why does fanhood last five years? It's a good question. It's just kind of how it is. Like take me for example. I'm like the, I'm like one of those people where to me, like watching the UFC and this is probably like the mid to late two thousands for me, or even like a little bit earlier than that. It was probably like late 90s, early 2000s where like I knew what the UFC was. I understood what it was. But like the only time I really watched it, I think I ordered one of the earlier ones on pay-per-view. And I think like the first one that I bought of like the Zufa era was when Kent Shamrock came back at UFC 40 to fight Tito Ortiz because I was a huge like pro wrestling fan at the time. And Kent Shamrock was obviously – I knew who he was from the UFC – and he obviously had like a very big, pro, a pretty solid pro wrestling run with WWE during the Attitude Era. And I was like, oh shit, like 
rivalry. Let's go. Let's watch this. And then Tito just kind of wrecked him. <laughs> so it was just one of those kinds of things. And I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. And then for me, it was just like, I would go out to my, with my buddies. And if like one person liked the UFC, like we'd all order it and watch it, but we weren't like super duper into it. If that makes sense. Like we would just watch it if it was on. And then tough comes the first season of tough. And that's what, that's what got me. That's a really hooked me because we got to see more of like the inner, like the, the insides of like being a fighter and like what they have to go through. We got to see some of the personalities and I'll be honest with you, Diego Sanchez was the guy that really hooked me. I had to see what I thought he was like, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. I thought he was a weirdo, but in the best possible way where I could not, not, I had to watch every week just to see what this dude was going to do. He was like Frank Dukes and blood sport. He's just doing splits out on the freaking balcony by himself. And he's just singing songs to himself and everyone else is looking at him like, who the fuck is this guy? And Diego didn't care. He's just that dude. And then he went on and won it. And then of course the finale and all that. And then you get into it a little bit more and then you realize like, eh, there's other things in life and you leave for a while. And then it wasn't, it wasn't until I started like interviewing fighters that I really got back into it. And I started, and they really, I've really never left it since. So again, this is a high level niche sport where like, if you love it, you love it. But it's also, there is like at least slight casual appeal to most people because as Dana said a million times, and he's not wrong that if you're driving down the highway or you're, going for a jog and you see two people fighting, you're not going to be like, Oh, let's keep driving. You're going to either pull over or you're going to like, at least look in the rear view mirror and see who wins this fight. So there is like an art to that, but I think the business dealings and all that stuff, like, and plus like it's a little oversaturated right now. It's so, it's just really hard to keep up with. And that's what kind of hurt pro wrestling for a while too. It's just so many shows, so many things that you had to pay attention to. That's just like, well, I just don't have the time and energy to do it. And at this point, where MMA is, like if you're in, just think of how much, A, money you have to spend. Because that's another big aspect is you have to, you have to financially invest in becoming a fan of the sport. You have to pay like eight bucks a month for ESPN Plus. You have to pay 80 bucks a month for the pay-per-views. And then on top of that, if you want to follow the, the number twos and number threes, et cetera, like even when Bellator was self-run, you had to buy Showtime to watch all the Bellator events. And that was like 10 bucks a month. It actually cost you more to watch Bellator than it was to watch a month of UFC fight night events. And then you put on top of that, the crossover boxing matches and all that, like you if you buy everything as UFC fan, you're spending 1200 bucks a month right now or not a month, 1200 bucks a year, 1200 bucks a month would be, would be even more ridiculous, but 1200 bucks a year like that. That's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And you could follow along with like MMA fighting and stuff and we'll tell you what happens, but it's just, it's not the easiest sport to keep up with. And each event, it's a, it's like an all day affair. Just look at what February 24th is going to be like. And again, this is not me complaining. I'm actually looking forward to February 24th. 
If you want to be tapped into everything that's happening February 24th, you have the PFL Bellator champs versus champs card, which there's a lot of fights. And then as soon as that's over, you get like an hour break and then it's right into the Mexico City card. That's like 12 hours of MMA (laughs) for one day. And it's just not everybody has that kind of time and energy. So it's just one of those sports where, you know, and then just look at the wave right now. Like Sean Strickland, what this man has been able to do is he has brought on like a newer, a newer audience casually to some degree because they're newer fans, but they're seeing like who this guy is and what he stands for. Whether you agree with him or not, like he is attracting people as well. But once Sean Strickland is not in the limelight, are those people going to stick around? Probably not. Maybe some will, but not all of them. It just comes in, it comes in waves and it comes in cycles. Just look at the era of fan. There's, hey man, I've been watching since the first UFC. And then there's, hey, I started watching the first season of The Ultimate Fighter when they were on Spike and they followed Monday Night Raw. And then there was, oh, I came in because Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey came along and they were big stars. And then that era ended and it became, I came in when the world shut down and the only sport in town was the UFC and they got just this huge surge of fans. Not all of them stayed, but a good chunk of them did. They learned about the sport. They found out a little bit more about it. They learned about some of the personalities and some of them stuck around, but now everybody else is back. The NFL is back. The NBA is back. The NHL is back. Major League Baseball is back. They're doing the full seasons, full stadiums, etc. Chunk of those fans who jumped into the UFC during that era, they ain't watching anymore. Some are. And there's going to be a point like a couple years from now where it's going to be like, all right, I'll do something else on Saturday. You know what I mean? So that's, that's why it comes in waves. But what the UFC has done brilliantly is they've capitalized on that. They understand that. And that's why they market more towards the casual audience as opposed to most of the people that are in the space right now. Because they know they have us already. They know they got us. They know we're buying all the pay-per-views and we're watching and we're talking about them. And we're trying to convince our friends to watch with us. But it's the other people who aren't here that they're trying to get. Which is smart. Just look look at who they're giving more media access to. This is more of a influencer type of thing for the UFC to try to bring in more people as opposed to let's let the media bring in more people. I'm not saying that like the media isn't bringing in more people as well, but and this is all smart from the UFC. It's why they're partnering up with Barstool and you know the Nelk Boys and things of that nature because they they bring in a different and a newer type of audience, which is very smart on their part. And I've been saying since day one that this is very smart. So that's part of it, but it's just it's just a lot. It's a lot to, especially nowadays, it's a lot to to keep up with. And it ain't cheap to be an MMA fan. It's way cheaper to be an NFL fan than it is to be an MMA fan right now. Uh, Leo, go ahead. Hey, you got me? I got you. All right. Uh, great to be here. Um, I just wanted to really quick Say that it's funny. Uh, the middleweighty middle 
weight culture has kind of seeped in. I was watching Luke Thomas, and he was talking about the main event of uh, this weekend, and he called it an extremely middleweight fight, and he kept saying that. Um, so it looks like it's no, it's spreading. Uh, but anyway, I was going to say it's really hard to watch Ilya on Ariel yesterday because I appreciate him and I'm a and I'm a fan, but the way he was just talking, basically naming every single like kind of notable contender, I guess besides Mosar, and saying. Uh, you know, they're never going to get a title shot. I'm never going to fight him. And then calling out the McGregor fight. It was just, it was hard to hear as someone who like Jed just wants someone to defend their title over and over and over again. Uh, and really quick, um, do you know what's going on with, uh, I'm in Jersey. So I was wondering about UFC Atlantic city and, uh, because it's still listed as, you know, Luke versus Brady, but I know that's pretty, pretty much not at all going to happen. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate you. And, uh, good to see all you guys in here. Have a heck of a morning. Thank you, Leo. Nice. I mean, I love the positivity on this Tuesday. I love it. Yeah. The Taporia thing is, uh, has caught a little bit of buzz, but he's been doing this the whole time. He's just no selling Volk and he's like no selling everybody else in the division. And this sort of thing, like, it's one of those remains to be seen type situations because again, if Taporia goes out there and just, it just annihilates Volkanovsky. If he goes out there and dominates him, they are going to strap the rockets to this man. I mean, just look at him. And it took me like, I covered the Jacksonville event in person. So I got to watch Taporia fight live and see some of the people who came out just to sit front row to watch him fight and the reaction he got. And then like after he just dominated a guy like Josh Emmett, which isn't easy to do waiting for him at the post fight press conference in the back, this dude came in dressed like the rock in 1996. He had the sunglasses on, he had the $500 shirt surrounded by just a big group of people. They're all singing him to the press conference. And he just, you just watch him come in and you watch everybody just the aura of the entire room change. And you're just like, damn, this, this guy could be a, a big star. He walks like a star. He talks like a star. He dresses like a star. He's got the, the girlfriend who looks like a star as well. And she just feeds all into it. Like he looks the part, but in this sport, you have to deliver as well. And of course in that fight, he delivered, he put a whooping on Josh Emmett. But now, it's a whole different ballgame. He's fighting one of the best pound-for-pound fighters ever. Like, one of the best fighters to ever walk into the octagon. Like, skill for skill, fight IQ, all of it. Volk has it all. And he has delivered. The only times he hasn't was when he went up to 155 in the UFC and fought right now the current number one pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. And he's coming off of a bad knockout. From a fight he took on short notice. And while this isn't exactly the same, this feels eerily similar to the feeling heading into UFC 290 when Volkanovsky fought Yair Rodriguez. The amount of confidence people had in Yair Rodriguez to go in there and thump Volk up, it was a lot. A lot of people on this show were saying that same thing. And Volk went out and perfect gamed Yair Rodriguez. Just perfect gamed him. And he's done that to freaking everybody. 
at 145 in the last couple of years. Did it to Zombie, did it to Max, and he just did it again to Yair. Yes, he's got the two losses. But to Poirier, he's just like, I don't care. <laughs> I was just, this guy's not even, he's not that good. It's wild. But it's going to be so interesting because the stakes are so much higher for Ilya Tapori now. Because in this sport, you want to run your mouth, you want to talk all that trash, that's great. And if you win, it pays off in a big way. But if you lose, you're going to have to deal with some shit for a while. And honestly, I think Taporia can probably deal with it pretty damn well. But he's going to, he's going to, like I said, he's going to eat a crap sandwich for a little while. And then he'll come back and beat somebody else and we'll go from there. But the things he wants, he's not getting. Like, he's not getting, he's not going to fight Connor. Why would Connor fight Ilya Taporia? He's not going to fight any of these guys. He's going to fight either Volkanovsky again or he's going to fight Mavzarov Loyev. That's it. Those are the fights he will have. He's not really going to have a say. And as much as a win over Volk is like a sort of a let's prepare to strap the Rockets to a moment, none of that really matters until you go out and defend. Like Sean O'Malley is, they got the Rockets to him. They have the matches sitting on the table. But if he loses to Cheeto Vera, they take the Rockets off of him. It's a whole different ballgame. But if he beats him, then we're lighting the match, and he's off to the races. And it's going to be the same thing for Ilya. That's how it works. You win the belt, great. Unless you're Sean Strickland. Then it's a whole different ballgame, because Sean is more popular now than he ever was. He's more popular now than he was when he won the belt, and he lost to DDP, and he's still super popular. So, But for the most part, that's how it works. So we'll see how, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I respect it. But he's got to deliver next Saturday. That's for sure. CV, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Um, my question is actually a perfect segue um, regarding what you just talked about. So I do want to talk about the Bantamweight division. Um, I feel like nobody's talking about the Mirab versus uh, Henry fight next week. Um, just your early thoughts on that one. And um, like you said, is, is everybody like, everybody in Bantamweight rooting for uh, Cheeto to beat O'Malley? Because like, like you said, if O'Malley beats Vera, he's probably wants a super fight against Taporia, right? And um and if Cheeto wins, it seems like Cheeto's the type of guy to like fight anybody anytime, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. But I like again, you never know like once you once you become a champion, you know, you're going to go for the money fights, right? So just your thoughts on everything. Interesting question. It's tough to say. If Marab goes out and beats Henry Cejudo, which I'm probably going to pick him to do so because it's just a wrecking ball, but it is a really interesting fight. Like it is a it is a super interesting matchup. I'll tell you what: if Marab wins, he will absolutely be the biggest Marlon Vera fan on the planet. Because if if Sean wins, I just don't think he's going to fight Marab, and it's not because he's scared or anything like that. He's just not going to fight him. He's going to go try to do something else. Maybe he does go up to 45 or, or tries to go get a boxing match with somebody who will just absolutely annihilate him, but he'll make a whole bag of money. Like This is what he's going to try to do, I think. But if Henry Cejudo wins and Sean wins, I think Sean would be like, yeah, I'll fight Cejudo. Because Cejudo will like try to sell the fight and, like, do the, and, and do whatever to try to hype this thing up. 
I just don't know if he gets that from Marab. And by the way, I love Marab. I love what he's trying to do right now. The dude is hilarious. Love the Dr. Marab videos or Professor Marab, whatever it is. It's hilarious. He is trying his ass off, and I respect it. So I just don't know. I just don't know. If Marab wins, he will 1,000% be cheering for Cheeto. And if Cejudo wins, I don't think he cares. He'll probably be cheering for Sean O'Malley because he probably thinks that's the bigger fight. And then the rest of the divisions are going to have to wait and see what happens. So, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating year at 135. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's look at 298. Let's take a look at this card. We got Volk Taporia. That's the main event. God, I can't wait for that fight. Whitaker Costa. That one's flying under the radar as well. We got Marab Cejudo. Main card opens with Fluffy Hernandez versus Roman Kopilov. That was supposed to be Fluffy versus Ikram Alaskarov. And then by the time when we get to like the Thursday show next week, I guarantee you 90% of the questions are going to be about Jeff Neal versus Ian Gary. There's, I mean, that one's going to steal all the headlines by the time we get there. And then the rest of the card, we got Rogerio DeLima versus Justin Taffa. We got Min Yang Zhang versus Brenson Ribeiro. Andrea Lee versus Miranda Maverick. Val Woodburn versus Oban Elliott. AJ Dobson, Trayshawn Gore, Josh Quinlan, Danny Barlow. Amanda Lemos versus Mackenzie Dern. And then the very exciting Rinya Nakamura versus Carlos Vera. Like, this is, this is a very good main card. A couple of good fights in the prelims. This is a main card, like heavy card for sure. This is not 299. This is not 300 as it stands right now. But it's going to be fun because that main event, by the time we get to that main event, holy moly, the anticipation is just going to be through the roof. And I'm excited to get back to New York next weekend for uh, another watch party. Because by the time Volk Deporia happens, I'll be like three energy drinks in. I'll be ready to run through a friggin' wall, which will be exciting. Some big news about the watch party coming up as well. It's going to be a very busy uh, couple of months for the watch party. So stay tuned for that. Announcements to come. And I am looking forward to it. All right. I think we are, uh, I think we're done here. We talked about a lot on a week that's kind of slow on the news cycle. But we'll be back on Thursday. Hopefully we'll have more to talk about. Hopefully we have a UFC 300 main event to talk about. <laughs> that would be fun. But I don't know if that's going to happen. And then we're knocking on the door of UFC Vegas 86. We're knocking on the door of the Super Bowl. Shout out to Bruce Buffer for doing the UFC style intros uh, for the Super Bowl. We officially introduced the Chiefs and the 49ers. That was good stuff. And then we're going to be on the road to UFC 298. And I, for one, am very excited about that. So thank you all very much. Appreciate you. Back on Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your Tuesday. And have a heck of a morning, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.